Love is the ultimate goal of humanity and definitely of lovers. But what happens to love after commitment? You know, many people around the world have had a very, very sincere and extremely romantic experience before marriage or before any official commitment. But later on, for some reason, this love fades away and sometimes goes away completely. And love is turned into the opposite, hatred. So what happens? What is the reason? What is the way to maintain love, to sustain love? And why does love fade away? To delve much deeper into this topic, I'm really delighted, as always, to be accompanied by the very distinguished Odis Nasser, the university professor and the clinical hypnotherapist. Odis, hello and welcome. Hi, how are you, Muhammad? I'm fine, thanks, and it's always a delight to have you with us in the program. So, um, Odis, to start off, you know, like, like I said in my intro, um, a lot of people have very, very sincere and extremely hot, romantic relationship, like another Romeo and Juliet. But um, this will last during, like, the uh, engagement period or the um, casual relationship. But a few months later, or sometimes a few years later, after the marriage or, like, um, whatever kind of official relationship they have, it fades away or goes away. So um, why does love fade after um, an official relationship? It's um, because we are dictated by our hormones. So as, um, as mammals, we are um, following whatever our chemicals in our bodies that happen. So we have three chemicals and each chemical lasts for a certain time of your lifetime or lifespan. So for instance, when you are in the first stage, when you just meet someone, when you're in the lust stage, the best way to explain this is like, imagine your body and we have three levels. So the first thing you're gonna feel is what I call below the belt. That's the lust stage. And this only lasts like two months. That's it. It's just lust, it's like that uh, instinct. You wanna just be with somebody physically. Then the next stage comes in what we call the love, which is the heart. You start to feel your heart pumping, your dopamine kicks in, the happy hormone, the sweating hormones, that you're attached to the person. Normally, this relationship lasts between, this hormone cannot, I was told, I don't know how true this is, about two to three years. Mm -hmm. That's when people see just the good side of the person. The last stage I would call the brain. So you've got the under the belt, the heart, the brain. The brain is when you get to see the person's true colors, who they really are. Uh, it takes time. It, you can't say you can see the person within, you know, in all sides of the coin in one day or two days. You have to experience being with the person and seeing all parts of life with them. So, which, which doesn't, you know, like naturally happen during engagement or during casual relationships because... We just casually meet, we have a nice time, and then each one of us goes home. Yeah, 
Exactly. So it, it depends. And it doesn't, you know, it's not time specific because you may be in a situation where you get to see the true color of a person within one year. And sometimes you, you and I could be married for 10 years and everything is hokey-dokey, everything is fine. But we, tra- we move to another country and another side of you shows up or you face trauma or you lose money or something happens, you lose the business and I get to see another side of you, right? So there's not really time specific, but people who rush into long-term commitment very fast, it's dangerous. They're really gambling because I don't know which part of their body they're using to commit to the person. Are they using whatever's under the belt, their heart? or the brain, which chemical or which hormone is um, pushing them to get married or to be involved or be in long-term relationship. You really need to be smart when you make that decision. This is a lifetime decision. It's, it's an important decision. So, And um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's, it's sort of a follow-up question here. Sure. Some people, um, they might be living together before marriage. They live together for like a couple of years. So they, they are seeing each other 24-7. And it's just a match made in heaven. But the moment they sign the document, things change. Um, to what extent do you agree with this statement? And, and if you do, then why? What happened? I have a friend who was living with the guy for 10 years. And then I remember she was my roommate. And uh, they got married. And I think uh, a year after the marriage, they get a divorce. From what, personally, what I noticed is that um, this piece of paper kind of comes with a lot of responsibility. It's not just a piece of paper. It's, it's a piece of paper that commits you legally to the person. Um, I want to share something with you. I always say this. I, I don't know. I came up with this, and everybody tells me I'm right. And I always say, if you really want to see the true color of the person, you get to see their true color when they get power. Whenever they have power, I'm not talking money. Just give the person power and you really get to see the true colors. Somehow this piece of paper maybe gives one of the partners the power knowing that they have something on the other person. And what I've noticed is that she's the one who ruined it, not him. It wasn't the guy. I mean, I was completely against what she was doing to him. But somehow with the piece of paper, she was rolling it around. She's like, well, I got the piece of paper and I'm going to take half of your money, half of this and half of that. And I'm like, why are you doing this? What happened before? What did this piece of paper give you? So you're simply saying that before this you know, signed document by both parties, um, if I want out, it would be easy. But yeah. now it's not as easy. Like there is authority. There is like, you know, there are commitments. There are bonds. So, and there is money. <laughs> so uh, this, like, this is tempting. It's, it, it makes, you know, like the authoritative part of you, like, you know, inflate that I have an edge, you know, here. So this is what ruins the love. That's from the experience I've seen. But it's not always the same. Um, to be quite honest, from the moment I met this girl and this guy, I knew this relationship was not going to last. I didn't even know how it lasted that long because I just saw I just saw the side of her that he didn't see. I just didn't want to say anything. But he was blinded because he was not using his head. When he was in a relationship, it was on his heart. Um, anyways, but that's just one example. 
it's not always the same, Muhammad. Yeah, it, it's, it depends. Did you get married really young, 16, 17, and you got married because you were forced or you thought it was true love? And then when you are 25, 26, you're like, I'm bored. This is not it. This, you're too young. You have an experienced life. So it doesn't have to be because you're married. It could be just the timing of your life. You were not ready or situations that happened. I cannot really tell you, honestly, because every person is different. Every single person is different. So uh, let's, go, let's go back again to like um, okay. the official commitment, yeah. be it marriage or whatever. Um, how important is love to sustain this commitment? Like, um, you, you know, you say, you're saying it varies from one person to the other. It depends on age, depends on circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. And um, there are like different stages of love. So like there's the reptilian love. Um, like, so it's, it's like uh, just the basic instinct of sex. And um, then there's, there's like the uh, mammalian love, sort of like the, the, the passion, the affection, and so on and so forth. And then there is the intellectual love or like, you know, the, the gray matter love when you start really analyzing the person, who, whoever they are, and um, which, which might be... Um, like it's not love fades away, but it, it, it changes. And this will be my next question. But, but before we go to this, um, I want to ask you, how important is love to sustain a relationship on a scale from one to 10? Like how, how fundamental is that? You're going to hate me. You know what Freud said? Love is just made by society. It's just an illusion. It's always been an illusion. Uh, society created the word love. We, we invented it ourselves maybe six, 7,000 years ago. The word love doesn't really mean anything. The love just is a society that put it on to control people, to tell them you have to you know, marry the person, you have to push someone to you know, control them. It was kind of done mostly by men to control women the old days. Um, but love is an illusion. Um, if you fall in love, the way I'm talking about it, I'm talking about the bond, the trust, because love is completely different to every person. I could love you as a friend. This is love. I can love my brother. I can love my dad. I can love my partner. Um, and then I may have different kind of love to my partner. It could be sexual. It could be attracted. It could be love and bond and companionship and compassion. Um, so what kind of love do I need to be in a good relationship? I need all of it. I need all of it. I need to be in love with my partner. I need to be in love with their, who they are, their essence. I need to be in love with them even when they get fat, even when they get old, even if they lose all their hair. I guess some men find that you know, scary that they lose their hair. Um, even if they get uh, paralyzed and they cannot walk and they are sick. That's the love you want. That's the true love. So remember, like last episode, we talked about the, the four kinds of love, basically. So it's, um, you know, uh, you have the uh, agape, which is the unconditional love of humanity. And yeah. uh, then there is like uh, eros, which is the um, erotic love. And then there's philia, uh, love of, of equals and friends. 
and then there's um, uh, storage um, again. So um, it's then th th like, you know, so in order to have a successful relationship, you need all four kinds of love. Yep. You need, right? it's actually, so, sorry, the love you were talking about is from philosophy. The love, um, yeah. because I know it, the previous episode has not been aired yet, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, but it was the triangle with the three levels of love. When you have the love and the compassion and the, the um, um, attraction, when you have the three triangles, now you're talking true love from philosophy. You covered the philosophy and you covered the biology and you covered humanity. And it's rare to have that. Um, my parents have that. You know, I've seen that in my mom and dad. And uh, it's hard for me to find someone like this because I'm looking for the same relationship my parents have. Um, it's a rare kind of love our parents have. Nowadays, it's hard to find this love. And how about, how about in the past? Like in the past, most marriages, like if we talk about like the 19th century and even early 20th century, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, uh, like a lot of marriages were just organized, you know, like um, planned marriages organized by, by, by the family, the, you know, the extended family. Um, and then uh, they, they hardly knew each other um, before marriage, but this marriage used to last. And uh, the very common word that a mother would tell her daughter is that love always comes after marriage. Love comes when you know when you you know live together, and sure. yeah. But this, but you know, this really happened in many you know cases. You had oh. a lot of very successful marriages, marriages that lasted until the end of their lives. We did. You're right. We did. But what happened is, keep in mind, in that time, divorce and breakup was not common. You have no choice. It, it's like it's a taboo or a stigma if a woman leaves a man or a man leaves a woman at that time. So there was a lot of, yeah, they're together, but everybody was cheating on everybody. There was a lot of extra uh, martial affairs. There was a lot of uh, women killing themselves. There was a lot of unhappy people that society doesn't talk about. Just to give you an example, Muhammad, you know, I have a lot of um, international students. I get a lot of students from India, and now they're telling me about what's the shift because India is known to have a lot of arranged marriage. It, the custom is still there. Um, but in the last 10 years, the divorce has skyrocketed 300% because women's rights, now they're able to divorce. So their society is shifting. And they're telling me, yeah, like divorce, arranged marriage now is out the door because nobody, it doesn't last anymore. So it's showing you that society is shifting because it doesn't necessarily mean they were falling in love. My parents were not arranged marriage. They actually liked each other. They loved each other. They did it, and then they got married. At that time, it was kind of rare. But um, I think my aunt and uncle was arranged marriage, and they're happy. But I don't think they had a choice. I look at them. I don't think they're really, really, really happy. But they love each other. They grew up together. But do you think if they had the option of, you know, like divorce or something like that, if it wasn't a sort of a sociocultural taboo, they, Maybe, but I think they are good together. I mean, he was a good guy and she was a good woman. But I know, like, for example, my mom's best friend who was living next door to her, her husband was cheating on her because he had, you know, it was arranged. Um, I've heard a lot of stories of my mom's generation where the women were cheating on their husbands or were not happy. 
I think a couple of them got divorced and it was such a bad thing at that time. I'm talking like 50s and 60s. It was pretty bad. Um, can we say that love is sort of synonymous or interchangeable with convenience? So um, if, I, if, like, if I get married to a woman and the woman gets married to me, we never knew each other before, but um, my life is comfortable with her and her life is comfortable with me. So would that automatically generate love? Or uh, which one is more important again? Like, is it convenience or love? Like, it is depends it on you, whatever you need, because love is the perception of, your, of the person. It's what you believe. Some people find love is like, you know, having sex every day. To them, that's love. But some people say, I don't care about any of this stuff. I just want to have a good conversation with the person. Trust to me is more love. Love is such a deep meaning to everybody. Everybody has a different meaning. I know, like when somebody comes to me in the clinic and they, I ask them always, the first session, Tell me about your parents, that they love you. Yeah, they did. They got me gifts every Christmas. To them, that's love. Another person will say, yeah, you know what? My mom used to tuck me in bed and read me stories. That's love. Some other person will say, yeah, you know what? We had dinner every time together, mom and dad and my, my siblings. That's their point of view what love is. So it's a perception. It's, it's an interpersonal story. So some people... To them, love is, yeah, you know what? I'm content with this woman that I just married. She's a nice woman. She cooks for me. I cook for, you know, we, we please each other. We're happy. We don't fight. We're good. So, so you're saying it's an, inter, it's an intrapersonal story. It's intrapersonal, yeah. But uh, can I say it's also, it's an, you know, like it's an intrapersonal story as well? Like, is it between, you know, me and myself? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. What do you need? What what um, what do you need to satisfy? What's missing? Because what is love is that you're looking for something that you are didn't get from somewhere else. That's really what Freud was saying. We don't want to go into Freud, but Freud was saying love is you're looking for something that you couldn't get, so you find it with a partner. So, so someone to compliment you or like supplement something that is missing. Yeah, because to him, he thought love was something that you're lacking and you couldn't find it on your own, so you have to find another person to complete it. So that's why you perceive love. That's it's why like you, the, the lock and key relationship or like the exactly. jigsaw puzzle. Okay. Yeah, but so, yeah. With Freud, I don't know how far we want to go with him because, you know, he had a complex with sex and love and all that stuff. But he did have some kind of background on the basics of love because we do see that people... I'm not going to say opposite attract because opposite do attract in the beginning, but they end up going separate ways all the time. But it depends again, at what stage in your life did you meet the other person? Did you meet in your twenties, early in your teens, in your thirties, your forties? I've seen people in their fifties falling in love and they're happy because you are going through different stages. Your life changes every 10 years. It's a lifespan. It's part of so, your life. So is it fair now to say that love doesn't really fade but it just goes from one phase to another yes it can go up or it could go down because in love there is also lust and attraction people change their body changes their physiology changes and the lust it's just uh, chemicals in under the belt so that changes with age as well and hormones and aging but the last part of love is the bond of the companionship this one may actually stay longer because that's the one that overrides the first two. 
Mm-hmm. But it can also go down because you may catch your wife cheating on you. Then it's done. There's no companionship, none of that stuff. If that was the only thing okay. holding the relationship together, it's gone. There's no and, bond. Uh, what are the love fertilizers or vitamins, you know, if, if you wish? So um, if you feel that, you know, um, you're not having a very healthy bond anymore with your partner. Um, so what, what kind of things like love boosters, what are the love boosters? What things can I do or can she do in order to boost our love, to, to make it healthy again, to revive it, to rekindle, you know, the, the, the spark of love? Um, you know, one thing I don't do is couples counseling because that's usually the issue because I'm known to be a little bit harsh when couples come in. Like, I like to work one-on-one because I don't sugarcoat it. I always tell them how, how it's done. Uh, when it comes to couples, when they're having problems and they come to me, they're like, oh, we need a fertilizer. I'm like, why you come to me for? Because uh, you have to do it. You know what you need. I don't know. I mean, I can give you pointers, but I'm not going to say do this, do this. So let me give you an example. What a fertilizer will be, no one will know. Only the couple will know because if you are working together 24 hours in the same store and you go home and you see each other at home and you're in front of each other 24 hours, the fertilizer will not say, oh, spend more time together. <laughs> the fertilizer, maybe, maybe you should take like a week apart. Everybody goes to a different place, take a little break. Versus people who are working all the time, they don't see each other. Maybe the fertilizer will say to them, you know, why don't you go on vacation for 10 days or something to just spark it. But that's only temporary, Muhammad. It's only temporary. So you These need people, to break the daily routine or like this vicious cycle or circle you're in. You need to like um, take a detour for a while, ventilate, and then come back. But that's only temporary. You may come back okay. from a vacation happy and everything for five days and you go back to the same cycle again. Um, mm-hmm. The fertilizer comes in from inside because maybe there is something you are missing, not as a couple. You have to remember when you are in a relationship, you need to treat the person as one person that needs their own need, the other couple, the other person, and the relationship. The relationship needs to also be nourished as separate. It's three people. A lot of people think that in a, in a marriage is only two people. I always say, no, it's three. You take care of yourself, your partner takes care of herself, and you, then you take care of the relationship. You treat it as another thing, another being. That's the best way to do it. So if I, when I tell you what's a fertilizer, I say, well, let's talk about you and me first. Let's talk about you. Let's fertilize you, and then let's fertilize your partner. Then you guys will fertilize your relationship. And it's, it's not necessarily the same kind of fertilizer. So... Uh, each one of them might need different supplements. It's not necessarily the same for both. Exactly. But they do okay. get homework. So what I do is I, for example, let's say you and your wife are coming. So I tell you, okay, Muhammad, give me the top 10 things you love about your wife. Mm-hmm. Write them down. And then you will do that as a homework without her knowing. I will ask the same for your wife to write her 10 top list of things that she loves about you. Then you both have to sit down over dinner and show the list to each other. Because you will be super, like, so every night I'm giving you homework to do. You have to first discover yourself and then you share with each other. Then what are the things that you're willing to give away or give up about the faults of the other person? So the best fertilizer is the communication between the couple because if there is no bond, if there's no communication and they're breaking up, 
there's not no fertilizer, no tine, nothing. <laughs> nothing will work. Nothing is going to work. That's why I don't like couples counseling because if people are at this stage of the couples counseling, yeah, it's a 50-50 chance. But most of the couple counselors will tell them, you have to do it. Okay. Nothing and, to do with the counselor. And um, are some people sort of obsessed with premarital love, like this love euphoria? So um, some people just, um, they, they have this incredible obsession with, um, you know, because where does the euphoria come from is that um, I'm always looking forward to the day when I'll be with you all the time. Uh, there's like, um, no matter how much, you know, satisfaction I get from being with you now, but it's incomplete. And, you know, this, this, this uh, longing makes this euphoria and makes it like, makes this huge, um, uh, you know, um, aurora, if you wish, um, or halo of romance. But once we're together, the longing is, is not there anymore. Um, are some people really addicted to this or uh, obsessed with this premarital euph euphoria? Yeah, of course, especially in our culture, Muhammad, it's society. You have daughters. So imagine if you're the parents and you're telling the, your daughters, you are not complete until you find the right man. Because you remember how the culture pushes the woman that, you know, you need to find a husband, you need to find a husband, you need to find a husband. So the brainwashing is hitting in from society that you're in. And especially if the parents are kind of, I don't want to say the word ignorant, but they're telling their daughters that they're nothing, they're, they're worthless without a man because they need a man. Um, and you keep pumping this into the kid. As soon as the kid is a teenager, all she's looking at, because you brainwash her that she's not complete. She needs to find a husband. So she starts to fantasize about finding a husband, fantasize about anything. So it's all brainwashing. It's all putting in the stuff in the brain of the child to, to pump them like that. I did have a friend a while back, Muhammad, it was a nightmare. Every time we go anywhere, oh, I'm going to marry this guy. She thought every guy wants to marry her. And she just wanted to get married. Anybody. She didn't care. She just wanted to get married. I'm like, what's wrong with you? What, what is wrong with you? She dedicated. She works in a very high uh, job. Like, I was shocked. She's well-educated, top senior executive. She still finds herself as incomplete without a man. And this was 10 years ago. So I don't know. I think it comes down to how the parents nurture their kids. And if, if you tell your daughter, listen, go to school, study, be who you are. And then when you're ready, you find the right partner. She will not be obsessed with that as much. She will marry whenever, or find the love she wants when she feels it's ready. Mm -hmm. Then bumping her, saying to her, no, 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 we just want to get rid of you. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You know what and, I mean? And again, the other component is the longing. You know, like um, uh, we always meet, but it's always time to say goodbye. And uh, in many cultures, if you're not married, then there is, um, you know, th there are like um, curfews. There are, there are limitations. There are, you know, uh, there are barriers that you cannot uh, go beyond. 
So uh, even if you have lust, you can express that lust just to a little extent. Not, you cannot really let it go. Yeah. So you're always longing for this thing to come, um, th which, which goes away once you get married. Once you get married, this longing is not there. But um, last question, but never least, really, what are the consequences of getting really addicted or, or, or having a deep obsession, a serious obsession, a severe obsession with premarital love or this longing you, you always want to be in 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 like you know a uh, romantic love the um, you know it's considered a mental disorder so um the american psychological association um has like three uh parts of mental disorders we have a b and c so a is like that extremely bad the psychopath that really strange people which are um and then we have the middle ones who are like kind of weird and odd and then we have the sad part these guys are in the middle. Like this is how serious their mental disorder is because it's considered compulsive. It's so severe that they cannot function. That compulsion, that um, obsession is not only with marriage. They have uh, the same trait all across their uh, li love life, their relationship, everyday stuff. Is it a form of psychosis? Can we say not that? Like, no, it's obsession. It's obsession. 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 It's like, um, you know, OCDs, those people, Check, washing their hands all the time mm. or um, checking the door, checking the windows all the time, obsession, compulsive, uh, compulsive uh, obsession disorder. Some people have an obsession with marriage. Some people have obsession with um, wearing the white dress. It's like, uh, so if you have this obsession of, of romance, hot romance, can this lead you to cheat on your partner? Um, if you're not happy, oh yeah. Oh yeah, because it's like drugs. It's the same feeling as drugs. I don't know if you've ever seen these people who um always washing their hands. They mm -hmm. wash yeah, keep yeah. washing, and then they go and they sit there, they dry it, they come back and they wash, they wash, they wash. And, and sometimes they, they wash the soap bar itself. So they have a bar of soap, and then they wash the bar of soap with another <laughs> bar of soap. It's uh it's uh, it's very um impulsive they cannot think it's done naturally it becomes automatic and people who have obsession with anything they need a lot of treatment i mean they don't get psychosis antipsychosis and stuff but they need a lot of therapy which i which i do with them but haram they really struggle because they have to break a very hard habit of doing something all the time we all have obsession we all have a little bit yani but some people develop it as they keep longing for that they become completely obsessed so, so they're, they're sort of in, in the end of the spectrum. So we, we are all somewhere in the, in the spectrum, but usually like we're not at the end, the far end, but those people we're talking about are sort of in the far end of the spectrum of obsession. Like, yes, because they're actually in the clusters of mental disorders. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. they're mentioned there. That's um, Listen, we all have a little bit. Let's say I'm interested in watching TV and um, some food falls on the floor. I will not stop. I will have to pick it up and throw it out. Like some people will leave the food on the floor, but I'm kind of compulsive. Like I don't like to see food on the floor. So I have a little bit, or I don't leave the house until I make my bed. So we have, we have a little bit, but compulsive, um, that's a little bit of compulsive, but obsession is like, I follow a person around, you know, these guys will follow girls around and they wait for them at the door and all that stuff. That's mental disorder. Why does it happen? Because they have something missing. 
they had been rejected. They had um, something had happened to them traumatic as a child, and they kept it. Uh, and if that's not met, they could become sociopath. They could. They could easily do some weird stuff. So they're in the middle cluster. So A, B, C, they're in the B. That's pretty bad. The C is like a psychopath. I understand. Yeah. And yeah. so it is, it is really a serious matter here. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it, do you want it at, at the end, would you like to give us sort of a, a prescription or an antidote to overcome this obsession? If you have it, is there an antidote to that? Um, you want the truth. It's hard to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it depends how long you've been dealing with it. So usually I have, I'm treating two ladies right now with this. Um, I think after six months of every week, I see them that they start to see the change. It takes a long time to stop the, this pattern because it's a, it, it happens automatically without you knowing sometimes. Um, what I have to do the first maybe six sessions is get you to notice when this obsession happened, to get you to notice that because it's happened from the subconscious without you being aware of it. Mm -hmm. So it takes time for the client to learn to be aware of when did this happen? What triggered it? What thoughts were going in my mind? So there's a lot of like journaling to note down when did this obsession happen? What time? What happened before? What happened after? And then we compare and we try to see a way to reframe their distorted uh, thoughts. It's hard to break a habit. So these are the... Um, I don't think it's very hard to do it alone unless you're very strong to know how to override it. You have very strong free will. You can, of course. I'm not saying you need a therapy. But usually you need external help from a professional. You, yeah, because you will get to a breaking point or sometimes it's hard. You know, your conscious mind is this small, the subconscious, this is big. So you need someone. This is the one controlling it. You need someone to guide you to have this guy take over. Um, a little bit. But once you're healed, you're perfect. You're perfect. You're perfect. Okay, well, that's that's great news. That's great. Oh, news. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the very end, Odis, like as usual, thank you very much for being with us tonight, and uh, really looking forward to having you with us uh, as always. Of course, thank you, Muhammad. Thank you very much, and you're welcome, uh, dear viewers. You know, like if we just recap. Um, we are human beings, and human beings are not only one thing. We have, um, we are reptiles. We're we have basic instincts. We're mammals, and we have the gray matter. So, if you're looking for, like love, basically, what what humans might explain as the ideal love is this kind of relationship that would satisfy all parts of you. It will satisfy your basic reptilian instinct of sex, the erotic part, the lust part. It will satisfy the mammalian part of you, of, you know, like this comfort, this family, this connection. And last but never least, it will satisfy your mind as a human being. So this is what might be called the ideal love. But again, love, like we change, 
you're not the same person when you're five years old. Definitely, you're not the same when you're 15, 25, 30, and so on and so forth. Same thing with love. Love, love, love is you and your partner. Love is not a thing on its own. It's not an entity on its own. It's, it's the bond between your partner. So whatever change happens to you will automatically affect your love. Whatever change happens to your partner will automatic, automatically change the love. Whatever change happens in the circumstances surrounding you. So these are the places to look for the answer. Uh, we don't have that much love anymore. Well, did you change the circumstances? Did your lover change? Did you change? So it is actually, um, it has to do with neighborhood. It has to do with the social surroundings. It has to do with the circumstances. It's an um, you know, interpersonal relationship, a relationship between you and your partner. And it's an intrapersonal relationship, you and yourself. You have to know yourself. You have to recognize any changes that happen to you. You have to be sincere and honest with yourself. If, you, um, if you're in a state of denial and you want to be delusional, then there is no cure, really. The, best, um, the first step for cure is to admit that you have an illness, that you're suffering. Because I cannot just go to a doctor and tell him, you know, um, I'm ill. But if he asks me, what are you feeling? I tell him, I don't know. Do you have any sort of pain? I don't know. Well, <laughs> the doctor can't do anything for you, really. First of all, you have to admit that you're ill and to know the source of your illness. And then you can seek help. So, you know, um, I don't love my partner anymore and the surroundings changed or I, I've changed or she's changed. It's, it's very, very important to have this communication going on, to have this dialogue going on between you and your partner because love, like um, I said, it's, it's a living creature. Love is not there on its own. Love is you and your partner. Dear viewers, thank you very much for being with us tonight. Until we meet again, please take very good care.